Go thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. All right, hey people, I want to thank you for tuning in to today's edition of Bible News Radio. Glad that you're here. Hey, you know what we're going to talk about today, we're going to air the interview that I did yesterday with uh, special counsel to the White House, uh, former counsel, uh, David... Cliff. Uh, huh? Cliff. 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 What do I know? <laughs> Cliff May? No. Sims. Sims. Cliff Sims. That's what I thought. Yeah, well, that's what happens when I don't have everything in front of me. Anyway, who wrote a book called Team of Vipers. I don't know, I can't hear myself very well here in the headset. I'm just going to turn that up there. How's that? That's better. Hello, people. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to... Can you guys hear me okay? Put a one or something if you can hear me okay. Yep, that's right, people. On a completely different note, there are actually 11 seasons in uh, Tennessee. There's winter, cool spring, second winter, spring of deception, third winter, mud season, actual spring, then there's summer, false fall, second summer, and then actual fall. (laughs) Okay, you can hear me good? Okay, good. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, the, the funny thing is, if you live in Tennessee, then you totally know what the heck I'm talking about. The weather here is insane. Yesterday, I went to a meeting, and I was in the my friend's house for like an hour. When I walked out, it literally felt 20 degrees cooler than an hour earlier. And the irony of it all is that when I walked out, it was like super cold. I looked up at the sky, it was like filled with dark clouds. It was amazing. Yeah, anyway. All right, so here's the thing. Do me a favor, whatever platform you're on, please share it out. Because this guy, my guest today, who I interviewed yesterday, actually has gotten a gazillion bad reviews on Amazon because he is the son of a Baptist preacher. He's, he's a Christian himself, and uh, he's a conservative. And, of course, you guys know... You go over there to Amazon, people attack people who are conservative and Christian and and all that other stuff. So, of course, unless you're listening to alternative media, which is kind of what we are, you you actually don't get the truth because, you know, the liberal media is completely scripted and all that other stuff. So, you know, just saying. Anyway, I'm going to stop that. There, I did it. All right. So, today... uh, in the first part of the show, we're going to go ahead. We're going to air our short interview with Cliff Sims, who wrote the book Team of Vipers, my first 500 days inside the Trump administration or something like that. Um, and he has been bagged on by, uh, oh, shoot, by a lot of people. Did this thing just come off in my ear? It did. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going deaf. Look at that. See? <laughs> These things are irritating. 
pun intended. No. Okay. Anyway, I was like, what happened? Oh, no. <laughs> Slightly distracting. Anyway, what was I saying? Anyway, Randall is uh, producing our show as always. And he super rocks at it. There we go. There we go. Okay, I'm going to mute that here. And I'm, then I'm going to go over and I'm going to share this over on Facebook. Let's see here. If anybody's on Facebook. Don't worry, Facebook. Or Wastebook. Just kidding. Is there a reason you're typing that on the screen? No one can see it but you <laughs> and me. <laughs> so I'm preparing for the interview we're about to play and give people something to watch. That's why I'm putting that. Gotcha. Okay, you're so you're like so funny. Okay, uh, if you if you could see how Randall communicates with me, you'd be laughing right now. I'm I'm <laughs> done. <laughs> FYI, I'm not trying to communicate with you. I'm just trying to prepare for the the show. I didn't know that we were going to be doing this interview today. I said until, you, yeah. until a little while ago, and mm. so anyway, well, that's okay. Well, so remember, left I'm, left is preview, and there's colors, I believe. Yes, green is preview, like the green room, yes. and red is live, like the on-air button. So anything you see in the green region, it's just you and me. Yes. Okay, now I got to bring up something. This really bothers me. I'm going to bring up a pet peeve of mine, <clears throat> and this irritates me, and... and and, and I, I have to get this off my chest because this bothers me. And I don't know how many other people this bothers. Um, but I was thinking about this and then we'll go ahead and, and I'll, I'll play this this interview. And, and I don't know, Bareface, he gets upset about things, you know, like the word impactful. He doesn't like it. Blah, blah, whatever, etc. So much so that it even made it inside a book that somebody published talking about it because, you know, Randall doesn't like the word impactful. Well, you know, it really bothers me. I'm going to tell you because, you know, Melanie says you could put a mirror behind you, Stacy, so we could see. That would be so distracting, especially because my hair would get in the way because it's so big and fluffy. And Randall... I want you to weigh in on this, this, because this so bugs me, okay? Okay. Okay. It does. This is one of my biggest pet peeves, and I don't know where, I don't know how to not, I don't know how to deal with this, because this bugs me, okay? And I don't know if I'm the only one that this bugs, because, you know, just like you're kind of the grammar, English, Nazi, blah, blah, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. You know what really bothers me? When somebody gets Besides on, me? well, yeah, but when somebody gets on, like, like live streaming or on the phone or uh, somewhere important, hey Tommy, and and they're and they say this, this is this, and and I'll tell you why this bothers me. So they'll say, like, I'll just say this, okay? I'll I'll model what they say, and then I'll tell you the better way to say it because this really bothers me and i don't know why lately it's really super been bothering me okay but you know how people will introduce themselves and they'll go 
Hi, this is Stacy Lynn Harp, and I'm the host of Bible News Radio. Please tune in at 4 o'clock every day, Central Time, so you can see me, because I'm super awesome and great. I'm your sweet, lovable host, blah, 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 blah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So do you know what it is that bothers me? When somebody introduces themselves and they say, hi, this is, and then they say their name. Now, that is so irritating to me because it's completely inaccurate it's it's it should it, what people should say is hi i'm stacy lynn hart i am your sweet and lovable host hi i am blah 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 it really bothers me it really really bothers me when people say hi this is so blah blah etc it stop it you know, I'm just going to say it. Stop it. Those of you out there who are in your social media, you do this, you get on there. Hi, this is blah, blah, blah. Just say, hi, I am. If you got, if you have to introduce yourself, say your, your name. Okay? Stop saying this is. Say, I am. And then fill in your name if you have to say it. Estoy. Because it's completely crazy that you say Me this amo. is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um. Bob wants you know, a shout out. Hey, Bob. Hi, Bob. You know what? I <laughs> What about Bob? No, just kidding. I could this, be mistaken. Does this, 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 this bug you like it bugs me? It no, really bothers me. And I, I don't know why I've, lately it's just really been bugging me. I've thought me. of it. I've, it's, it, it's, it's humored it, me, but it's never bothered it me. It bothers me a lot. I, I could be completely wrong. I've done no research on this. This uh, is well, just, I'm just me. Saying. This is me just thinking out loud. <laughs> but I think it's probably <laughs> something that originated in radio. Really? You know, radio came back way before live streaming, way before television, you know, radio. And so there were these voices. <laughs> um, and all you know is voices. You don't see who's talking or what. And so for the, for the, for the, um, for the benefit of the audience, this is, this is so-and-so speaking. And but if it's you, just say hi, I'm well, so-and-so. Right. Stop saying this is... <laughs> This then this is you know just say your name people this is NBC radio you're listening you know identifying it this is so okay this is what I'm listening to but yeah when it comes to live streaming those days are <laughs> way over you you can see who's talking um you know they're just listening even you know at a podcast and it's a pod, if it's a podcast where there's just regular like this there's one regular host and a co-host, you know, it's pretty much you get it. Now, if you're now if it's like a telephone interview with five people, like when you had Mercy Me on, it's good. When they yeah, if they, say, they well, say, this is hi, I am. They could still say I whatever, am. They could, but, but they could, but. In but that, as the I, conversation goes on, right? Then you, okay, instead this, of readers, okay, the, the, right. you know, this is Mike talking. This is Barbara Mandrell online. Yeah, this yeah. is this is. But right. but the problem is that there's okay, and I'm just being nice here, okay? Be nice. Yeah, I know it's so not me. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, it's it's not in I, your. I know what you're. <laughs> it's not in your title. <laughs> I'm just being, there are a lot of my friends, and be I'm not going to nice. name you, but there are some of you over there on social media world stuff, and you know who you are, 
and go back and watch how you introduce yourself. Hi, this is blah, 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 blah. Stop it. Stop it. Well, I'm just... saying you're this is this is blah. No, say who you are. And and I don't mean like in the new AG, like say I am. Declare I am, blah, blah. I that well, drives me nuts too. Don't well, do it that way. Just does, say your name. Just well, say hi, I am, well, and then fill in your thing and stop I, saying the little I am like you're a little god. No, you're not. Stop that. Now, now I do something like this <laughs> is I say me. it is because I say howdy, hey, it's Randall K coming to you live stop from it. Middle Tennessee. Stop saying that, man. So stop I'll, it. I, so I'll say howdy, howdy, hey, I'm Randall K coming to you live from magnificent <laughs> Middle Tennessee. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember right. that. So going we had forward. some snarky comments come in on Periscope, but that's okay. Let's let's scroll back and read them. I mean, loving com. Okay, so everybody's saying hi to Pastor Tommy, who was here yesterday. Yes, that's right. Pastor Tommy was here. <laughs> I shouted out Bob. Yeah, I did. He says I is Bob. Good Bob. Very good. You should say I am Bob. Tommy says third person. Elizabeth laughs. Mama Gina agrees with me. Says, right, I don't like it when they introduce that way, too. See? And then Tommy said, what about Bob? And, yeah, that's, like, one of my favorite movies of all time. And then Jamie's back. Natasha joined. Melanie said, I'm becoming assistant to the grammar police people. Well, that would be my husband. (laughs) And Bob says, I like respectful introductions. Randall comes through again, says Pastor Tommy. And she says, you also make sense, which is nice. And then Bob says, Stacy, please return to normalcy. I'm not normal. Sorry. That's just, if I was normal, I would be mediocre. And that's just not me. Yeah, not her at <laughs> Tell all. us how you really feel. <laughs> let's not let's save that uh, for i am healthy and wealthy is that okay yeah okay now i'm going to say pay attention to who's saying right and you will melanie you will totally go it is melanie wiser stop it <laughs> okay let's get into the interview uh I, I feel better now okay cheap therapy all right so yesterday i had this interview it was they cut it short but this is uh, Cliff Sims, and I'm going to give you a uh, little introduction because actually I didn't introduce him in the thing. So if you hold on one moment, please, while I get it, and I can pull it up here. Normal is the setting on your dryer. Oh. That is so true, isn't it? So you didn't ask him to say, hey, it's Cliff Sims. No, I'm but both. if I wanted <laughs> to do that old radio thing, I could say, hey, can you say, Cl- this is, you know, I am Cliff Sims for Bible News Radio. Just like I had Chuck Colson say that. But he said it for active Christian media. Yeah. But he said this is. Probably he did. Okay. Which you had him say, I believe. I did, and now he's no longer with us. Like I say, it works for radio, live streaming, totally unnecessary. All right, so I'm going to read you a little bit about this. It says here. You're going to read to us. Yes, Reading, reading, reading you is something like a palm reader. Oh, shut up. Okay. Or a tarot card. Stop uh, it. Okay. <laughs> fortune teller would read you. <laughs> okay. Read to us that introduction. Will you shut up so I can actually just... Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So it says here, uh, the name of the book is Team of Vipers, My 500 Extraordinary Days in the Trump White House. And it is. it says here, 
The instant New York Times bestseller, Sim's vivid portrait of Trump shrewdly balances admiration with misgivings, and his intricate and grossing accounts of White House vendettas and power plays have a good mix of immersion and perspective. The result is one of the best of the recent flood of Trump tell-alls, says Publishers Weekly. The first honest insider's account of the Trump administration, if you hate Trump, you need the truth. If you love Trump, you need the truth. After standing at Donald Trump's side on election night, Cliff Sims joined him in the West Wing as special assistant to the president and director of the White House message strategy. He soon found himself pulled into the president's inner circle as a confidant and errand boy, an advisor, a punching bag, and a friend. Sometimes all in the same conversation. As a result, Sims gained unprecedented access to the president sitting in on private meetings with key congressional officials, world leaders, and top White House advisors. He saw how Trump handled the challenges of the office, and he learned from Trump himself how he saw the world. For 500 days, Sims also witnessed firsthand the infighting and leaking, the anger, joy, and recriminations. He had a role in some of the president's biggest successes, and he shared the blame for some of the administration's worst disasters. He gained key, often surprising insights into the players of the Trump West Wing, from Jared Kushner and John Kelly to Steve Bannon and Kelly Ann Conway. He even helped Trump craft his enemies list, knowing who was loyal and who was not. Yeah, he did. And he took notes, hundreds of pages of notes in real time. Sims stood with the president in the eye of the storm raging around him, and now he tells the story that no one else has written because no one else could. The story of what it was really like in the West Wing as a member of the president's team. The story of power and palace intrigue, backstabbing, and bold victories as well as painful moral compromises occasionally within yourself. Actually, he talks a lot about that, by the way. <clears throat> Team of Vipers tells the full story as only a true insider could. And so let me tell you a little bit. That's kind of the blurb about it. But Cliff Sims was the CEO of Yellow Hammer Multimedia, Alabama's premier source of political news until he joined the Trump campaign in August 2016. After the election, he moved from Trump Tower to the West Wing, where he crafted the White House's uh, messaging. He now advises major corporations, CEOs, and media personalities on a wide range of public affairs and communications issues, and he lives with his wife and his puppy dog in Washington, D.C. Yeah, he does. He has a dog, so you can't hate him to sand. Okay, so anyway, yesterday morning, I had an opportunity to talk to Cliff for a couple minutes. Uh, it was actually cut a little bit short. Let's see here. I'm going over here to this here. And so it's about nine minutes. We're going to go ahead and put up the graphic on there so you can see his face. He's uh, apparently young, pretty like in his 20s or whatever. He is the son of a Baptist pastor. He's a conservative Christian. And this book actually... Um, uh, depicts some of the insider backstabbing, even on the Christian right. But in my interview with him, I took a little different turn. And so you'll hear what that is. So we're going to go ahead and uh, turn up the volume here so you can actually hear that <clears throat> as I get ready to play it on my iTunes here. I have no idea what breed of dog. Don't know. Okay. Anyway, here it is. You guys, wait, wait, hold on. I should turn the volume up. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Is that loud enough? I'm doing great. Good. 
Well, I know we only got a couple of minutes, so uh, let's, I'm not going to read all your bio. Let's just jump into the conversation. That sound good? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Well, first, I want to congratulate you on your book, um, Team of Vipers. I, I see that Amazon has attacked you thoroughly, uh, <laughs> which, which means it must be a good book because, you know, you're, you're a conservative. Uh, yeah. And a Christian, right? Uh, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been instructed uh, not to read the comments, and I've tried to stick to that. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, you know, it's funny. One of the first things I do whenever I I interview an author is I go over and I look at the the reviews to, to kind of get an idea, um, you know, of kind of what the public does. But when it comes to conservatives and and Christians in particular, and politics, and Donald Trump. You know, it's it's a it's a big huge issue. So, tell everybody a little bit about what your role was in the Trump administration. Sure. So, I was a special assistant to the president and director of White House mes message strategy, which is a communications job. So, it could be anything from uh, writing the talking points, doing op-eds that would go out under the president's name, or maybe uh, others uh, advising the president and senior aides on. Uh, how to message certain things, uh, staffing the president for media interviews, uh, you name it, kind of anything under the sun that was related to communications, uh, I would be right in the middle of that. Cool. And so you wrote this book, <clears throat> you served 500 days in the, in the administration. And I'm just curious, when you were doing that, did you like do a daily journal of your experience and that's how the book came about or how did the book come about? Sure. So part of it was, you know, part of my job, especially early on in the White House, was to, to be in these various meetings, foreign leader meetings, congressional meetings, whatever it may be, and take notes on uh, just whatever happened so that we could keep uh, the communications team informed on what was going on, but also in case there were leaks about, you know, they say that Donald Trump said something to a foreign leader, and then I could say, uh, you know, no, that's not right, or there's a threat of truth there, but it's not quite right. Uh, and, and then the press team could decide how to respond to that. Uh, so there's where, uh, there were a lot of notes coming from that. But, you know, when you're working in the White House, and especially this one where it's the most talked about White House in history, um, you're cognizant sometimes of the fact that you're living history. And so I would go home at, at night or on the weekend sometimes and just, you know, sketch out a little bit of a journal, I guess, if you will, about what I experienced that day, just because I didn't want to forget it. I wasn't planning to write a book at the time, but uh, I just wanted to be able to tell my kids and grandkids one day about this amazing experience. And once I left, I realized that there were some incredible stories uh, I had that, that I thought that people uh, would want to hear, but also just got the sense that there was not an honest account of this presidency, that there had been people write, you know, angry anti-Trump books and try to set the place on fire or sycophantic books that act like it was, you know, everything was the best it could possibly be. And I didn't want to do either of those. I just wanted to tell the truth. And so I took some of those notes that I had and my memories and experiences and, uh, and that became team of bikers. Very cool. Well, I want you to know I host Bible news radio and my husband didn't vote for Trump and I did. And, um, <laughs> you know, even in our mm -hmm. house, you know, we've, we've had a big debate, uh, you know, about, you know, how evil he is or how good he is, you know? And so, <laughs> sure. Yeah, of course. And it's interesting. I mean, that's a debate that uh, we had in our house, too. Uh, the first part of the book discusses that my wife and I talking about that and how do we as Christians reconcile uh, 
uh, you know, some of the parts of Donald Trump's past or his character that, that we uh, are troubled by. And where, where we ultimately came down was it was either going to be Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. A lot of people kind of had that same view. Is it going to be one or the other? And I know Hillary Clinton is going to be bad. I don't know what I'm going to get with Donald Trump on a lot of things, but I'd rather take that chance. Um, and so, uh, you know, we made that decision. And, but others came down on a different side of that. And, and I think that that's fine, too. Uh, you know, people stick to their uh, – I mean, that's the great thing about this country, that a husband and wife could have different political views, go into the voting booth and vote different ways, and that's okay. Uh, so that's a great thing about being an American. Well, and I, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I'm really grateful that Donald Trump has supported Israel. And I know that you wrote a little bit about the, the faith-based, um, the Christians who, who, and the faith leaders that, that you worked with. Can you kind of shed some light on that? Or I know we only got a couple of minutes, but I'm, I am very curious about sure, yeah. graphic in my audience. Yeah. You know, the, the president had a state advisory council and, uh, you know, people ask, well, where did they come from? Well, like so many things in Trump world, it started with TV. Uh, the president views the people that are on TV or, or at the top of their field, whether it's business or politics or, or faith, too. So he, he you know, sees these pastors on TV and assumes that well, these are the top, you know, top of the field. And so those people, that's how he kind of identified these folks. And then when they got in there, um, you know, it became pretty apparent very quickly that they, just like me and some of the other staff in the White House, were uh, quickly consumed by what it's like when you have proximity to the most powerful person in the world and wanting to maintain your position and nudge each other around and push somebody out so that you can be closer. And, you know, all the palace intrigue, uh, I found that the Faith Advisory Council was not immune to that. And they kind of stabbed each other behind each other's backs to stay close to Trump. And, um, and ultimately, my, my, you know, I don't want to paint them all with a broad brush. There are some good folks in there with good hearts trying to do uh, good things and be a great picture of their faith. Uh, in a very tough place. But what I found was um, there were very few, if any of them, that were willing to stand up and say, Mr. President, thank you for these things that you've done. But we're also deeply troubled by these other things here that we would really love for you to, to focus on or change your position or whatever. I just didn't find them to be willing to, to have those type of tough conversations. Yeah. Now, I know that you have a heart for the persecuted church, and I actually wrote the Voice of the Martyrs persecution blog for eight years myself. And um, so I'm very thankful for that influence that you had there. But can you can you give us, I mean, I know we got like really a minute here, but can you give us a, a, an idea of where Trump stands on that particular issue? Well, I, I think that, that Franklin Graham said it, said it better than I could. Donald Trump is not a great picture of the Christian faith, but he has been, from a policy perspective, a great defender of it. And so whether that's the Supreme Court justices or telling the Department of Justice to stop going after faith-based organizations, tax-exempt status, or, or other things. But one of the areas that you just touched on that, that I did have some concern with while I was there is we made a promise during the campaign that we were going to prioritize uh, persecuted religious minorities in the Middle East, Christians in particular, uh, who uh, are being displaced by uh, the atrocities that are taking place over in the Middle East, Syria in particular. And I just don't feel like that that's a promise that the president has really quite lived up to. Mm -hmm. And so I, I write extensively in the book about my experience in the Middle East, on the ground there, working with refugees, uh, Christians and Muslims alike. And uh, I just think there are some real 
opportunities being left on the table there um, to, to live up to that promise to, to prioritize the safety and security of persecuted Christians in the Middle East. And I'm really hoping uh, that the president will step up on that. You know what? Thank you for that insight. That gives my audience something that uh, they can pray for, for sure. And um, can you just tell people where they can get your book? That would be awesome. Yeah, pretty much anywhere books are sold. So all your bookstores, Amazon.com, you can go to CliffSims.com and, uh, and pick it up there as well. All right. I'd love to have you on later when you're not doing this blitz because um, I'd love to talk to you more about that issue. But I know you got to go. So yeah, let's do it. Thank you for uh, being my guest. Right. I really appreciate it. Okay. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I look forward to coming back. Uh-huh. Yep. All right. So that was, that was the man. That was Cliff Sims. Yeah, it was. And I have to tell you something. Uh, I pretty, I'm pretty sure I will get him back because, you know, right now he's doing a, a super blitz. And <laughs> I have to say, uh, the guy that booked me, uh, he's so funny. He's like, yeah, you're on my D list of people to give guests to. We, we, we book you with these people that we can't get a ton of other media with. So just so you know, you're kind of a D list broadcaster in my book. Uh, <laughs> to which I laugh cause I'm like, well, Hey, you know, this D-list broadcaster has had some pretty high-profile people on my show. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Anyway, uh, so what do you guys think? Do you want to read the book? If you go over to Amazon, actually, here's the thing. This is what you want to do. If you go to my Bible News Radio Facebook page, I put an Amazon link. That's my affiliate link to Amazon. So like if you go to amazon.com forward slash shop forward slash Bible News Radio, go there. You'll see a section that says my guests books. I actually have it linked in there. If you if you want the book, click through my affiliate link. It'll give us like 10 cents or whatever it is. And you can still get the book if you if you buy it at Amazon. Um, but reading the reviews on Amazon is um, it, it's kind of funny because he's got more one star reviews than he does five star reviews. And that's, I mean, that's just how it goes. Um, I would also recommend that you go over to Christianity Today's website, ChristianityToday.com. And um, Ed Stetzer, who is one of the top guys over there at Christianity Today, he has a three, uh, three part interview that uh, Cliff Sims did uh, with him. And he actually put it in print there. Um, and it's titled Cliff Sims, Team of Vipers and Faith Inside the White House, Part 1, Part 2, and Part 3. And I want to I want to um, read you Part 2 because this is where he actually uh, discusses what happened with the faith aspect of this. So it says here, quote, proximity to power does strange things even to pastors and ministers. Uh, and that says here, as I explained in part one, this is Ed Stetcher writing, I did several faith interviews dur during the 2016 campaign season. As you can see from those interviews, I didn't try to repeat questions others had asked on foreign policy, etc. I asked about faith, faith leaders, and more. In the following article, I've done the same thing with Cliff Sims, and since he has publicly mentioned his faith, the president's faith advisors, and the culture of the faith in the White House, those were my focus. So this is what Ed said. 
He said in the Atlantic article, which he links, we're not going to read it. You were critical of the president's faith advisors. And then it says here, Ed says, full disclosure, I was asked to be on that faith advisory council and he declined. So here's a man that could have been there, but he didn't. Uh, From the outside, it's hard to gauge their impact, though I have several friends in that group and they tell me they're being heard. What would you say? So Cliff responds, well, first of all, I think it's important to understand how these people came into Trump's orbit. For Trump, TV is the be-all and end-all. So if you're on TV, you're at the top of your field, whether it's in business and entertainment. That's why he had The Apprentice. Or in politics, if you were the best and the brightest reporter, you'd be on TV every day. For him, that same principle, I think, applied to the faith space. When he sees someone like Paula White on TV, he says to himself, these speakers must be the best. Uh, these must be the people that are at the top of their field. That's that's kind of how he appointed people to these positions. It wasn't like he agreed with the pastor's doctrine or anything like that. I don't think there was much more to the decision than him seeing the individuals on TV. So just that little insight kind of tells you a lot right there. Cliff Sims goes on to say, there's a story I tell in the book that really stuck out to me very early on in the White House and made me realize that proximity to power does strange things, even to pastors and ministers. When we were trying to plan the first prayer breakfast, Sarah Sanders, remember that's Mike Huckabee's daughter, uh, and I were working together to organize speakers and I wanted David Platt to come and speak at it. Now, you guys, I don't know how many of you know who David is, but he's a very well popular author and pastor. And he's actually Cliff's pastor, just so you know. Um, He says, I talked to David about it, and I don't think he would mind me saying that he was conflicted about that decision. I think one of the reasons for this hesitation was because when pastors get involved in the political space, In a public way, there are drawbacks, and it can put pastors in a position where people suddenly view them through a political lens. There's just a lot of baggage that comes along with such a decision. But I was talking to people inside the White House about him coming to speak, and someone who interfaces with the Faith Faith Advisory Council inside the White House happened to mention this to Paula White. Paula came to the White House and had a meeting with them and basically trashed David and said something to the effect of he believes that the American dream is evil. The president's going to be really mad when he finds out that you're bringing in someone to speak at the prayer breakfast who believes that the American dream is evil. She was basically just undermining him and trying to stop him from being the one who was chosen to speak. I think that was the most obvious example that I saw of the backbiting that I experienced in the White House between staffers. It was really no different on the Faith Advisory Council. Some of the individuals on the council really wanted to make sure that they were the only ones who got close to the president. They wanted to ensure that no one else came in and stole their access or spotlight away. This happened to the point that a pastor was willing to trash another pastor to keep them from having an opportunity, presumably to preach the gospel in front of the president of the United States, his senior staff, and frankly, the whole country. I was just really taken back by that. Unfortunately, I think these dynamics were a kind of social rule among the group. I don't want to paint them all in a broad brush, which we actually just heard him say on my interview. I think there are people with good hearts and with good intentions who are trying to be a picture of the gospel in a place that can be totally devoid of it. 
Um, they deserve credit and don't deserve to be smeared, but I did see a lot of things that made me very uncomfortable. It's sad to me that faith leaders were not immune to the side effects that prox that proximity to power had on me and other people uh, in the White House. And now he goes on to talk and he um, he actually talks about, let's see here. Um, well, Ed, Ed Stetcher says, you had mentioned... Uh, was that you hadn't seen anyone from the council press President Trump on issues around refugees and more. Johnny Moore, one of the organizers of the Faith Advisory Council, responded and pushed back, saying they had been heard and they have made a difference. What do you think about Johnny's response? Do you see the Faith Advisors making a difference? Now, before I read this response, in truth and disclosure, I have actually had personal contact with this Johnny Moore person, and it's the same person I believe it is, he works very closely with Beth Moore, and he's a complete jerk, okay, from my perspective, okay? And Beth has people around her, and, you know, this Johnny Moore guy, is a, that's not the really the J word I want to say, <laughs> uh, but he's full of himself. I'll just put it that way. So anyway, Cliff says, just taking that into account, this is my personal experience with him trying to get him on the show at one point years ago. Anyway, Cliff said, I do say in my book that while I was in many of these meetings and interactions that the president had with the Faith Advisory Council, I wasn't in all of them by any means. Good caveat. There is a chance that some of these folks have pressed Trump on some of these issues, but in my experience, which is pretty extensive with that group, the general tone and tenor of every interaction I saw was laudatory of Trump. And I thank God for Donald Trump. And we've got to do everything we can to back Donald Trump publicly. <laughs> In a way, I understand that impulse because I've had the impulse as well, even thinking about the reason why I even joined the campaign to begin with. I know for a fact we all do. Uh, we would not had uh, would not have had the Supreme Court justices that we do right now if Hillary Clinton had been elected president. Donald Trump deserves nothing but thanks from the faith community uh, for those things. He deserves nothing but credit for for. Pre preventing the Department of Justice from targeting faith-based organizations and maintaining the adoption tax credit and the tax bill. I just never saw anyone who is willing to say, Mr. President, thank you for these things, but we are deep, deeply troubled by X, Y, or Z issue. And part of the reason, I think, is because, you know, is because, because what I know of the Christian right leadership in the world, and I know quite a bit, you guys, unfortunately, I wish I didn't, um, and I'll give a perfect example of this and just sidestepping the rest of this article. You guys can go read it over there on ChristianityToday.com. He put up part three today, which I kind of want to read, but I, there's one other story I, I got to get to about, um, James McDonald being fired. I can tell you because of my 15 years doing this show in the little capacity that it is worldwide, uh, that I have been connected with some very, very high people in the Christian right world. And what I can tell you is that there is a in-group of people in the Christian right world who don't give a crap, honestly, about the gospel, and all they care about is the power, the prestige, and their agenda that sidesteps actually what the real gospel is. And I will give you a perfect example of this. Many years ago, I don't even remember how many years ago it is now, but there was this guy called Mitt Romney 
who was running for president. You remember the Mormon guy, Mitt Romney, that they put on a the Republican ticket to run against whoever it was at the time. I can't remember. Was it who was it? Bareface. You remember who ran against Mitt, who who ran against him? Anyway, it ended up being um, McCain that eventually got the ticket. Sarah Palin was put on a vice president, and the only reason most people voted for McCain because he was a, really a rhino. Um, was because the beautiful Christian Republican governor of Alaska, Sarah Palin, was the Christian that everybody wanted. Well, the reason that happened was because good old, and I'm just going to say this because this is how it, it was perceived, fat Mike Huckabee, Baptist pastor, stereotypical big fat man, decided he was going to run for the president. Oh, it was ba Obama. How can I forget, man, there's the trauma of it all. You're right. <laughs> so when Mike Huckabee, the characteristic fat Baptist pastor minister, decides to move run for president, even though Mike, as we all know, and who I've met in person, by the way, by the, I had the opportunity to meet him uh, in California, um, even though he held biblically to every single thing that I hold to and cherish and would support as a conservative Christian, the Christian right, uh, I don't know what to call it, Gestapo or whatever you want to call it, the Christian right clan decided in their closed door meetings, and I got this firsthand from a guy that is known as a, patri a patriot pastor, I won't say his name, but he was in that meeting where they infighted and they intentionally kicked Mike out, put Mitt, Mitt Romney in. Now, if you know anything about Mitt Romney, aside from the fact that he's unbiblical and a Mormon, the guy is the father of homosexual marriage in our country. It was Mitt Romney who actually brought homosexual marriage to America by allowing it in Massachusetts, where he was the governor, I guess, right, at the time. So Mitt Romney, who is full of himself, just as much as most people, was actually put up there, and then he ran against, I think it was McCain way back in the day, right? I think that's what it was. But I, re I remember so many of my friends, especially people in radio, who literally have been kicked off Christian radio. I, I have two or three friends who are actually doing political talk radio on the Salem Radio Network, which is a conservative base, not Christian, but conservative-based network, who actually were trying to expose Mitt Romney's record. And you can go look at it. You can go look at how Mitt Romney, the conservative Republican, actually promoted homosexual marriage. And then all other states started following suit. So why would the Christian right want to back that guy for president and not Mike Huckabee? Okay. That's the truth. That's what happened. Meanwhile, some of my friends were getting thrown off their Christian radio shows because they were trying to expose it. And Salem Radio Broadcasting was like, nope, can't do that because we got we got we got to bring in the money. So don't be naive. That's that's my point. Don't be naive and and believing just because somebody's a Christian out there and they're 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 all that that they're actually not behind, you know, advocating for things that you and I disagree with, right? Now, as God saw fit, because God's God, um, unfortunately, Obama won that election, but Mike Huckabee ended up becoming uh, a, a well, a very well-known um, 
in in media because he ended up on Fox, the Fox News Channel, um, and he got a TV show. And I think I think he's on TV. I think he's on TBN now. I can't. I don't know because I don't watch TV, but I think that's the case. Um, you know, and he's still adhering to and and upholding biblical values. But but you got to ask yourself why. I remember doing this. And I will tell you somebody on the Christian right that does not compromise and that I have the utmost respect for, and that's Dr. James Dobson. Dr. James Dobson is not a bot paid for person at all. In fact, the people over at Focus on the Family that overtook his board actually kicked him out because he wouldn't compromise, which is why he is no longer with the organization he developed so many years ago. And I worked for him when I was in my early 20s, over 30 years ago. I mean, Dr. Dobson's the real deal. If you want to support anybody on the Christian right, support Dr. Dobson Family Talk because he's not bought and paid for. He will not compromise. But you know what? So many of these other people do. And that really irritates me. So just saying. Uh, Anyway. It's funny the things that I've learned. You know, I'm just a little, little talk show, but I tell you what, people tell me stuff. All right. Anyway, Ariel Ministries is our sponsor, as Bareface has reminded me here. So if you guys uh, haven't gotten um, anything yet lately from there, go over there. You, don't forget, you can use the coupon code Bible News. Save 20% on anything in the store. By the way, if you do, let me know. That way I can give you a shout out. I can say, hey, so-and-so support our sponsor. And, and help feed us for another month. <laughs> you can do that. We have some suggestions on our website. As you know, BibleNewsRadio.com is that place to go on the resources page. I highly encourage you guys to get the American Amnesia book by Dr. Jerry Newcomb. He's a really great guy. Not only is he a, a good friend, but he he's a great writer. And that book right there is full of um, modern day commentary and historical um, accuracy as opposed to what we currently read in history books. This guy is a true scholar and real gentleman, actually. So check that out. I actually got a couple left. Um, I'm asking for a donation of $30. So you can uh, do that to us and get that through the website. If you want to be a pillar of our community, that means you uphold us with just a couple bucks a month. Feel free to go to BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give. Become a Bible News Radio pillar of our community, people. And I I hear a high-pitched ring in my ear right now. Okay, hopefully it'll go away. That happens frequently. It's because of my allergies and I have this like <clears throat> liquid and you know how it pops and all that. Anyway, not that you need to know that, but tonight, Ladies of Justice uh, leadership is having a Ladies of Justice uh, meeting on how you can become a woman, of, a lady of justice and look at the opportunity to sell this. If you want to learn why I do what I do, then I want to invite you. Um, to come and join me at 7 p.m. Central Time for this video conference. Those of you who are my associates, I highly encourage you to get on this call as well. Um, and you can learn about that. If you're interested in connecting with me about uh, Legal Shield or identity theft protection, I haven't talked a lot about it this week, but, you know, get in touch with me and, um, you know, go to bit.ly forward slash LOJ 2019 and connect with me or just contact me. You guys know how you can do that through my website, through all my social media channels, um, all that. And I want to thank all of you guys who have, um, supported us with that. Um, your support does matter. And I'm very actually happy to tell you that this February right now, 
the Lord has blessed me this month with more memberships sold and people protected this month than in all the eight months that I have been selling this um, and, and offering it as an opportunity to not only do as a business, but also as a, um, you know, a means to help support the show. Um, and it's in part because of the great training that I've received, but also great follow-up with people and the fact that people get, they understand their need and the benefit of it. So if you really want to see some of the benefits, come to the meeting tonight. I'm going to link it on my Twitter so that you guys can just click through at seven o'clock. It's a Zoom meeting. You don't have to say anything. It's just a presentation with live people. All right. So that's super awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yep, it's um, it's it's a great thing because the money, the extra money, is very, um, is very helpful. <laughs> I need it. Uh, like my car hasn't started the last couple of days. <laughs> I think we need a new battery, and that like is like a hundred bucks at least. So, um, so that little commission I'm getting or the bonus that will actually help pay for that. So, uh, God knows, and He's good. All right. So, how many of you? remember the show we did a while back about Pastor James McDonald. I actually was talking about um, the abuse that he was accused of uh, by his church. Um, Julie Royce, who had her own talk show on Moody Radio and was fired for actually um, exposing the corruption at Moody Bible Institute in their leadership, which is so sad. Again, you know, really sad that this stuff goes on, but money corrupts, unfortunately. Um, anyway, she has kind of been on the beat of exposing James McDonald. And well, anyway, we, we covered an article of hers a while back. And I remember when I was reading it, I, I thought, oh my gosh, this guy is a classic narcissist with a capital N. Um, extremely charismatic gospel preaching man, but his character and temperament are completely unbiblical and unsanctified. Well, a couple days back, Man Cow, who is a popular radio talk show host, you guys know, um, he started coming out against James McDonald as all these other accusations and things started happening. And as a result, um, unfortunately, well, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, um, we have been privy to the fact that um, today it was reported that James McDonald has now officially been fired uh, as the lead pastor of um, Walk in the Word, which is a very popular radio show. Man Cow, however, according to Julie Royce, actually aired some shocking comments by James McDonald's um, on his podcast slash radio show, which I guess you can hear the whole thing online. Um, and I got to read you some of this because this is very troubling to me. Um, and let's see, it's, yeah, well, I'll just read you the whole thing. We got a little bit of time. So this is an article over on julieroys.com. It's titled, and this was published yesterday, okay? Man Cow airs shocking comments by James McDonald. And Julie Royce writes, this is her response. Update, the elders of the Harvest Bible Chapel have removed James McDonald as a pastor and an elder, quote, for engaging in conduct that the elders believe is contrary and harmful to the, re to the best interests of the church, unquote. Read full statement here. Um, 
I never thought I would hear an evangelical megachurch pastor talk about planting child pornography on the computer of an executive at a Christian publication. But today, Chicago radio personality Mancal Mueller played shocking clips of someone sounding exactly like Harvest Bible Chapel pastor James McDonald discussing putting child porn on the computer of Christianity Today CEO Harold Smith's computer. Mancow told me he didn't definitively identify McDonald's to protect himself from potential litigation. Yet McDonald's trademark voice, though somewhat distorted, was unmistakable. I've also now heard the complete 50 minutes of audio that Mancow referenced, and I heard the clips in context, and they are credible. I've also reached out to McDonald for comment, and he did not respond with either a confirmation or denial. Mancow said he plans to air the entire 50-minute conversation on an upcoming podcast. I will save some of my comments about the recording until then. Remember, this is Julie Roy's writing. But the clips Mancow played today are breathtaking. On them, the man who's presumably McDonald jokes about me, referring Julie Roy's, uh, having an affair with Mark Galley, editor-in-chief of Christianity Today, that's not funny. It's disgusting. Galley and I have never had anything but a professional relationship, and it's repulsive that anyone, a pastor no less, would make a joke about that. McDonald also makes vulgar references to Harold Smith and Ed Stetzner, who is from Christianity Today, contributing editor and the executive director of the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton College. He also alleges ins- allegedly insults uh, CT, calling it a, quote, pipe organ protecting musty, mild smell of urine, blue hair, Methodist-loving, mainline, dying, women preacher, championing, emerging church, adoring, almost good with all gays, and closet Palestine promoting Christianity magazine. <laughs> you guys think I have... However, especially disconcerting to me is the next excerpt where where McDonald alleges that I and another person who used to attend Harvest approached the houses of people who were victims in a DCFS investigation and shouted out them about a cover-up at Harvest. He alleges that I'm off the rails and predicts that in 30 days I'm going to be riding a tricycle with a midget on my shoulders. I've met Julie Royce. I've had her on my show. Just saying, Julie Royce is anything but wimpy. Okay, just saying. Mancow told me that McDonald had told him similar things, that I was a crazy woman attacking kids and had to be stopped. This is why Mancow said he urged McDonald to sue me, a decision, a decision Mancow now regrets. This allegation by McDonald is complete fabrication. The only thing I can fathom that McDonald could be referencing is a time in October when a Chicago Tribune reporter and I talked to the father of an alleged victim of Paxton Singer, the former Harvest youth pastor charged with sexual exploitation of a child. I was working jointly with Tribune reporter Matt Wahlberg to report the Singer story for the newspaper. At one point, the two of us had a brief and respectful conversation with the father of an alleged victim where we invited him to comment if he'd like. He declined. We gave him my phone number in case he changed his mind, and that was it. Wahlberg said he and his family attended Harvest for several months about a decade ago, so I guess that's where the reference to attending Harvest originated. I never actually wrote that story for the Tribune because 
in the middle of our investigation, Harvest sued me, which caused the Tribune to drop me from the story. However, Wahlberg, a 20-year veteran reporter who recently took a buyout from the Tribune, gave me the following statement regarding our time together. Here's the statement, quote, I worked with Julie Royce in October on the story about the allegations against the former Harvest Bible Chapel youth pastor, Paxton Singer. In fact, I was working the story with her when she learned that she had been sued by Harvest Bible Chapel. The subsequent story on Singer's arrest did not contain any indication that we did or did not speak to the victims of their families. It has been my long-term standing practice not to comment beyond what has been published, so I can't confirm whether I spoke with the victims or their families. However, I can say that I spent days working with Roy's, conducted multiple joint interviews with multiple subjects, both in person and on the phone, and found her ethics, demeanor, and professionalism to be beyond reproach. <clears throat> Generally speaking, if you're a whistleblower, that's usually the case. Mark Galley today responded to McDonald's comments by confronting McDonald for succumbing to the temptation to slander me, Galley, threaten our CEO and denigrate others. Christianity Today says this is unfortunate, but part of the life of journalism. Secondly, CT, Christianity Today, says McDonald's reaction demonstrates that it's common for people on both sides of a dispute to believe that CT is against them. Galley adds, it's pretty clear by his slanders that McDonald thinks we have it out for him. That's ironic because his accusers believe we've taken his side. While I agree with Galley that journalism invites a certain amount of abuse, McDonald's behavior seriously crosses a line. It's reprehensible and, I, and should be roundly denounced by evangelical leaders. As for CT's coverage, I'm going to withhold comment until Mancow publishes the full audio. Mancow also says he has nearly 100 more hours of audio by McDonald. In the meantime, here's the link to Mancow's show, and she gives the time. As she timestamps the different things he is accused of, at 1 hour, 8 minutes, 25 seconds, he talks about putting child pornography on Harold Smith's computer. At 1 minute, eight, uh, one minute 9 minutes and 3 seconds, he references, quote, frickin' Julie Roy's riding around on a tricycle. At 109.20, reference to Mark Galley and I having an affair, and vulgar reference to Ed Stetzer. At 1 hour, 19 minutes, 12 seconds, vulgar reference to Harold Smith, at one minute or one hour, 20 minutes, uh, 25 seconds, fabricated story about me referring to Julie Roy's approaching houses of people who are victims in a DCFS investigation. One hour, 21 minutes, 20, 45 seconds, calling Mark Galley a vulgar name. And then at one minute and 29 seconds and 30, uh, 20, one hour, 29 minutes, 30 seconds, insulting Christianity today. Um, so apparently there's a lot more. And apparently there was enough that finally, after over eight years of investigation of this man, James McDonald, Pastor James McDonald from the board, even though people before wanted his butt out. Remember, this is the guy, if you recall, when we reported Julie's reporting before, where James McDonald, he actually went to a house, I believe it was, and he had a board, a dart board, uh, with pictures of these staffers that he was shooting <laughs> for fun. Yeah, a little bit unstable. Uh, anyway, so today uh, Julie wrote an article, and our show's over here, but I want to point you, if you go to julieroys.com, you can read it. Her latest article is James McDonald is Fired, A Day to Mourn, to Pray, and to Plead for a Revival. Um, and uh, she gives a really great um, 
recap of, of the situation, but it's sad. It's really, really sad because this man is, you know, a, a gospel preacher. I mean, he knows the gospel and has never erred in his theology, to my knowledge, and yet his character and the things that I've read and seen um, completely indicates he's a, a complete narcissist and um, definitely a narcissistic abuser. But, I mean, what kind of what kind of person would joke about putting child pornography on a leader at a Christian magazine's website. You know, I mean, that's just sick. And that tells you a little bit something about him as well. If he's joking about that, it would make me wonder if he's been involved in any of that. So, <clears throat> Randall, you have any comments on this before we close down? Oh, yeah, for what it's worth, I was reading uh, Man Cow's Twitter feed and uh, earlier today. In response to a former uh, Harvest Bible Chapel attendee, Angie Ward wrote, In light of the latest turmoil at Harvest Bible Chapel, where I attended in its early years, and no, I'm not surprised, here's my church chat conversation with, and she gives a list to a uh, uh, podcast she did about church image management. Anyway, mm. Mancat replies, he says, You were smart to flee. Me? I had to wait till my wife and young daughters fell in love with the place. I'm so mad at myself. What a fool I was to be duped by a con man. So it sounds like he's, you know, personally <laughs> first-hand experience with Harvest Bible Chapel. And well, yeah, and a lot of the staffers though that left. I mean, a lot of people. Um, I wish I knew when the show was that I I did this, and it was a, it was a couple months ago, yeah. where we where when I was just reading through the description, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is narcissistic abuse because the the people inside were talking about how they were scared to stand up to this guy because mm. of this, and you know, I mean, the same thing has been been um, exposed with Mark Driscoll and some of these other guys in the emergent church, but James McDonald is an emergent; he's just apparently a jerk, so. Anyway, sad as it is, somebody says we're in here supporting a con man. I'm not sure who that would be. <laughs> if you're still in here, Tiny Mushroom, what? who's the con man I'm supporting? I'm just curious because I'm not really supporting anybody today in case you didn't know that. Uh, but anyway, so I, I don't know how edifying this was for you, but, you know, I, I try to bring you news that... Uh, you know, you're not going to hear a lot about. I, I mean, I know people like Janet Parshall and Janet Parshall's, uh, you know, show in the market with Janet Parshall. And I only bring her up because I listen to her more than anybody on radio. She'll never talk about this. Uh, just like they wouldn't talk about um, Tom White, who committed suicide after he was under investigation for sexually molesting children as the top guy at the Voice of the Martyr. So um, anyway, you know, they don't, they, there is a, you know, we don't want to look at it, you know, but, but the problem is, is the world looks at it, unless we are out honestly talking about it, then how are, how, how are people supposed to see a Christian response if we're not mature enough to actually expose it and say, you know what, we condemn this, this isn't good, look, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, but, you know, let's not be hypocrites about it either, right? So, anyway, that's why I do what I do. So, thanks for coming in. And... As far as I know, we'll be back tomorrow. So, be bold, people. Stand up and go with God. Because he loves you.